Well, good morning, church. Um, a couple things I want to let you all know about. The first thing is I spoke to uh, our friend Sherry Jaco this week. Uh, I heard from other people, and I heard from her, and it's very uh, incredible and awesome to hear. She is healing ahead of schedule. It is good. She still has a couple of months ahead of her, uh, but she is wanting me to pass along. She's very thankful for her family here as a church to be praying for her and to continue uh, doing what you've been doing with her and, and, uh, and Dale. So, like, just thank you for being that kind of a church. Um, second thing, kind of weird here, um, to kind of kind of do this. Um, so... My family and I, we head out Wednesday morning. We're going to be gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, we got about, well, I have about close to 40, 50 hours in a car driving. I'm going coast to coast over three weeks. Uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, good things happened. It was really great. Um, but if you guys remember me about six, seven months ago or so, I was like, hey, can you guys be praying for me? It kind of hurts to sit down. That came back again. It's turned out, it sounds like it's a sciatic thing going on. Um, and, and I'm over it. <laughs> and, and so, if you guys just could, in the next few days or so as we're traveling, just be praying for the Tylenol to work really well. And sitting, as long as we've got to sit in a car, goes, goes fairly well too. Just thank you for that in advance. Um, anyway, just glad to be here this morning. Glad to be a part of this church. And uh, we have been in a small little series of the Jesus stories. And I say a small little series. It's going all summer long. And uh, so it's not really small, it's kind of a big, a big series, uh, but we figured it'd be good to spend 11, 12 weeks or so just talking about Jesus. Can't really go wrong with that. Um, so there you go, we're going to just kind of leave it there. I uh, picked on another idiom this week uh, that, you know, a picture can say what? A thousand words, right? And, and so that little idiom, I want us to be in the, just kind of scrolling through our brains here. Um, not because I'm going to have any pictures up here drawing. I wish I would have now that I thought about it like later. Like that would have been really cool to have some artists up here doing that. I'm not an artist, and I'm not going to do that to you because you've been like, my grandkids can draw better than you. I'm like, yeah, they can. I don't have the artistic bone in my body, so like that's not for me. That's for my, my wife to do. Um, but I want to talk to you guys about just seeing a scene of scripture, but in three different scenes and three different pictures today. Um, you know, we live, and we, we, we have been, it's not anything new, it's been going on since the dawn of time that we want proof. We want things in front of us. We want to be able to know without a shadow of a doubt that that's real. Um, the Pharisees demanded signs. The people around Jesus asked for signs. Um, after Jesus' uh, death and resurrection, ascension to heaven, we have been dealing with people looking for signs and proof and everything else. Like, it's there. It's legitimate. Like, we, we want to know. We want to know what we want to know. Um, but I'm just curious, and, and again, this sounds a little bit strange come from me, if you know me. I'm not the artistic individual. I'm not the one that's going to go to the museum and stare at paintings and go, this moves me in this sort of a way, and I can see the... That just hasn't been me. Um, but I'm going to speak that way this morning a little bit. Um, so I kind of feel like I'm treading into some weirdly weird ground. <laughs> so if I don't get the, the terminologist right, I'm trying my best. <laughs> but I want to ask, like, if... 
we all want things to cling to to say, yes, this is why. But I want to ask, like, can a picture move you? An artistic picture, a painting, or can like a Polaroid picture? And I think the answer is yes, to some extent. Um, at the very least on a Polaroid picture where we have a memory, where whatever it is, we pick it up and we just were drawn right back into that moment. Artistic pictures, paintings move us in a way that when we understand the usage of brush strokes, strokes um, the manipulation of color and space, and how it can take us and, and we, can, we can see something in there that might not be seen by anyone else. And in some ways, it can move us to a pretty good experience internally. So, that being said, just kind of having that in the framework and the mind, uh, we're going to op- open up to Mark chapter 5. Um, and it's going to sound a little strange that I'm talking about artistic stuff in with this story because it's the story of the demon-possessed man. It'll make sense. Um, we've been talking, Melissa and I have been talking a little bit here and there, we've been talking with different people and one of the things that's been kind of interesting is there's like this underlying theme where I think there's a concern for people not being able to use, use their imagination much anymore. We have so much stuff in front of us that we don't ever put away and just let our minds take us into a place. So this morning, Um, I want to assure you that I'm not going to be speaking anything outside of Scripture when I read this passage. So if you want to, like, actually not follow along um, and read it along, but if you just want to close Bibles and, like, just listen to it, um, try that. Now, I'm just curious, uh, just let your mind go and see where your mind goes with the pictures that come into play with Mark chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 20, and here we go. They went across the lake to the region of the, I don't know how to say this word, I'm sorry, I should have, like, I'm really, like, just destroying your mental pictures already. Um, Gerasenes is what we're going to say, the region of the Gerasenes. Um, When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission And the impure spirits came out and and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down to the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported in, in in the town and in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to see Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons 
sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had sent or those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell him how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the began to tell in the, in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Okay. So we're going to see three paintings, if you will, three different scenes of this story. The first one is, is the picture of just Jesus coming on the shore and the demon-possessed man that's there. So I'm going to tell you what I see, then, then I'll ask you what you see, if, if it's any different. What I see, in, in, if there's a painting, might be like Jesus on like the lower end near the shore. Then you see like the hillside and like the tombs and this demon-possessed man like there. And on the right side would be like this, the people in the city. On the left you might see like in the distance a small little picture of like maybe where all these pigs are at, this farm. This demon-possessed man just in my head like just looks torn up, skin opened up because no one can bind him. He's torn through the shackles. So like that is not something that is just like, oh, look at this. I broke it. It's, it's rubbing at the skin. It's rubbing at raw. It's creating open wounds on his hands and on his ankles. It's talking about he cuts himself with stones. So like he's bloodied. He's scabbed over, hair disheveled, um, maybe even to the point where, and this is where like I think Melissa might get a kick out of this. His eyes might be crunched down, but to the point where you can't necessarily like, see the color of his eyes. It's like, almost like artistically, like taking the man's soul away and through a picture. You like how I did that? I'm catching on to some artistic stuff. But then there's Jesus looking like a typical Jewish individual today. Nothing really overly over the top about how he looks, just normal. And in this scene, you can almost see like the, the demon-possessed man shouting out to Jesus, what do you want? This is the first picture. And what we read in scripture is this demon-possessed man looks at him and says, what do you want with me? Which sounds like a easy question to answer, but like the nuance of the time is almost like, why are you even here? What brought you? Like you don't, you don't belong here. And then he says, but don't torture me. Swear by God, don't torture me. Now, if you were to look at this, this passage and see this moment happening, like you, it's pretty incredible, right? Like he's taking on this person that no one else could like handle. But Mark writes in, in a number of different ways, and one of the things that he shows is, again, Jesus' authority through a number of different areas. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus calms the storm. And then in Mark chapter 5, he's going to take care of this demon-possessed man. So, like, Jesus is Lord over, like, the things that happen naturally in this world, and he's Lord over the spiritual things in this world. 
Mark is putting this down in two chapters. Now, this this question, don't swear to God. Like just, just, so, just so you know, put a promise on this that you won't torture. What an interesting question that the demon puts out. What a bold question, actually. As if for whatever reason, this demon has the ability to ask for some sort of leverage or some bargaining chip talking to the son of the most high God. It's interesting, though, that we, we almost kind of at times treat God the same way. Why, why are you exposing this sin in my life? Why, why are we having to deal with this? But you know what? You know what? Let me, and we, we bargain with God. I'll do this for you. Just don't do this. I'll live for you. Just don't take me away from this particular part of my life. But that's not how it works. Jesus has all authority to drive out, to cast out, to to heal, to restore. And he just asks the question into the second picture. What's your name? Now the second picture, the second painting is this moment of healing and restoration in a sense. And so what I see is almost like Jesus kind of standing there with his arms out, kind of symbolically saying, like, here's this power coming in, here's what's going on, here's the healing process. And then I see the man, like, who was on his knees, like, on the ground, like, laying down, just wiped out. And then off to the left where, like, you know, we saw the earlier in the first picture the, the, where the, the pigs and the farm is at, like, this, this orb glow or maybe, like, this mass pile of, like, almost figure-like of humans going towards the pigs. But Jesus asked him, what is your name? A number of commentaries state that when, when you're asked your name, you're, there's this transfer of power. And I don't know necessarily if that was going on particularly with this. Um, I actually wanted to like just kind of see what like maybe like modern psychology got into a, like what does it mean with the name and like what they were saying is that when you ask the name and the name is given like there's this mutual connection of like hey we're going to be on the same playing field here. I'm not going to stand above you. I'm not going to stand you're not going to be below. It's here we are in this. I don't know if any, the modern psychology or what's going on in the commentaries is anyone's particularly right, but what I, what I like to know and what I like to believe is that when we read scripture, there is a very simple explanation for things. That in this moment, when Jesus is asking, what is your name? He's bringing out the importance and the understanding that there is something bigger going on than what we can see all the time. Because when the demon answers, my name is Legion, for we are many, there is not one particular demon within this person. When the demons are, are sent out, they're, they're sent out to, to a, a, a herd of 2,000 pigs. Okay, that number is, is big. That number is there to show, like, there's a lot going on inside this individual. So I don't know which way to go with it, but I just kind of know that 
Jesus doesn't do things on a whim. What Jesus does through scripture is very purposeful, it's very important, it's very pointed. And right here in this moment, we are, we are being made aware of the fact that, yes, there is this spiritual battle going on over us and sometimes in us. And it's bigger than what we realize. And even in how big it is and how scary it can seem and how overwhelming it can be for one person to deal with so many demons, Jesus can heal. And for Jesus, when you read this passage, it's almost like, not to make light of it, but it's the only thing that kind of makes sense in my head. Do you guys remember the commercials with Staples and they had the easy button? And like they would smack and go, that was easy. Like for Jesus, like to take care of this demon, it's like, boom, that was easy. It's done. Like this doesn't wear Jesus out. And he drives him, drives him out. The third picture is the aftermath where this man is healed and now he's standing next to the boat with Jesus and, and, he, and he looks human again. You can see his eyes, you can see the restoration in, 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 in the person who he is and Jesus, again, still looking like Jesus, still very normal. Disciples on the boat, you, you, you see the aftermath of there's no more pigs on, on, this, on this thing. You can just kind of see that they're gone. They're, they're in a pile of floating carcasses in the water. I know it's an ugly picture, but like, they, they drowned. But then back on the right side where the people were, instead of people looking around just being a part of the city, now they looked afraid. They don't know what to do with this. And, and who would? This is not an everyday occurrence. I mean, even right now, like in this moment, if we were to sit back to, to see this, even what we, know, what we know about Jesus and how he's been in our lives and everything else, like if we were to see something like this, how would we react? Like, I'm okay if you're a little bit afraid of this because this is not normal. This is pretty intense. They were so afraid, though, they're like, you just need to leave. That's where I hope we don't get to. I had a professor in college, um, we called him Dr. Dr. Stoltz because he had two doctorates. Um, so he was super smart. Uh, but he made one comment, and it's just really stuck with me. He said that uh, humanity has had a long-standing record of killing things that we're afraid of. And, and he's right. Like, if we don't understand it, we'd much rather subdue it we don't want to ask questions. We don't want to figure it out. We don't want to try to understand. We just say, that was too weird. That's, that's too far. Nope, you're not doing that again. But I wonder sometimes, like, if, if we have subdued ourselves into these experiences, because we want these experiences, we want to be able to, like, see Jesus moving away. Like, we, I don't think... Any of us would walk away going, that was too weird. If we were the ones walking on water, we would probably be like, that was really, that, did you see that? 
Or if we were a part of a group of people that we, we took the small little amount of food and we said, hey, Jesus, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden he feeds 5,000 people and we were a part of that. Like that would be, that's amazing stuff. Like we would love to be a part of that. But at the same time, all those miracle moments, those big miracle moments, they're weird. They're not normal. Even when they're good, they're a bit frightening because all of a sudden it's outside of our realm of control going, wait, how, I don't know. Can you, nope, I got nothing. We don't know what to do with it. And when we don't know what to do with it, even as followers of Jesus, we try to subdue it. We're guilty of that sometimes. Like, we just need to own that and be okay with it and, and, and realize that we can be healed of that ourselves and, and not always freak out when Jesus is doing something big. But it got me thinking a little bit, like, in this moment, you know, we want to see these big moments. We want to be able to tell people without a shadow of a doubt, like, this is why I follow Jesus. I see this stuff happening all the time. But I wonder, like, if we don't, we don't necessarily see this all the time, and maybe for one reason is, that I was thinking of is if things are that incredible all the time, a couple things happen. One, the incredible stops being incredible. You know, like, at some point, like, yeah, that's Jesus, that's how he works. Instead of going, that was amazing, did you see that again? Like, that was so cool. Like, we do become desensitized to a lot of things. The other part is I think that we don't see them all the time because we are pretty ego-driven. Maybe Jesus is protecting us in some way that we don't see these miracles that big all the time because at some point he knows that some people go, that's Jesus, that's Jesus, that's Jesus and me, that's Jesus and me, that's me and Jesus, and then that's just me. That might sound kind of far-fetched, but there are false prophets and false teachers and cults that come around all the time because it started with, here's a great movement, but then it becomes about the person. David Koresh. Jesus holds and puts things in very specific times and specific places. So in those three pictures, brokenness, healing, and then the aftermath. And so, no, we don't see a lot of, like, demon possession like we see in Scripture. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I, I, I believe wholeheartedly that there are things in this world that happen that we can't explain. But what I really love, one of the things I love about the Nazarene Church is that we aren't afraid of scientific truth and faith going hand in hand. And so now we see psychology is a major important factor and role in our lives because we deal with our own metaphorical demons. Things that twist us around and get us all sorts of like not thinking right, not acting right, turning people away from us because of something going on internally. And the gift that God has given a number of people to sit down and intuitively and intentionally listen to our stories, to find the hurts, to bring us to healing, is an incredible gift. 
But the big point of that story, I think for all of us here this morning, that we can really pull out of this is that, because I don't think anyone here right now is massively demon-possessed. But we have hurts and we have things that we, we are ashamed of and we have things that are broken about us and we have areas in our life that Jesus is continually going like, but I need that too. Let me have that. We can be healed. And the great part about the healing portion is one, it's not so much that it's out of our control, like the part of healing is out of our control, but there's also a participation factor in this where like this demon or this group of demons, this legion of demons was speaking to Jesus. There was a conversation happening and Jesus drove it out and took care of it. This man was healed. We get to have these conversations with Jesus going like, I know I hurt, I know I'm broken, I know things are rough and I know things are bad. I don't know how. And what's gonna happen is that when Jesus could miraculously heal you, those things still do happen. Or Jesus is gonna put you in the way of maybe some sort of counseling situation where you're gonna be healed through talking through the situations, which is incredible. Or you're gonna talk to someone in the church and have, find someone with a similar situation and find healing through the body of believers or talking to a pastor or talking to a friend or talking, do, do you catch on to the theme? It's talking. And what's great is when we have the ability to talk through things and we trust either Jesus or the counselor or the pastor or the friend or the person in the church, we name it. See, there's something really easy that we can do. We can say, I, I sin. Great. We all do. But when you name it, it becomes real. And it becomes hard to deny. Just like it is when you know someone's name, it's hard to forget them. Because when you say their name, it becomes, that yes, that's, okay, that's who they are, this is what they do, this is how that, okay, got it. Yes, God, I'm a sinner. Oh, no, but you have dealt with this and this and this. And name it. Okay, I've dealt with that, and I've dealt with this, and I've dealt with this over here. Okay, so if I deal with it, now I have a path. And I think that's the big part that we, sometimes we just kind of try to scoot around. If we don't name it, we don't have a path. If we name it, we have a path. We have light. We have a, we have a way out now. So let yourself be open to naming whatever it is that needs to be named. Followers of Jesus that have been following Jesus for a number of years. If you're here on this earth, you're not quite done. If you're new to your faith in Jesus, you're not quite done. And that's good. We are bringing closer to closer to glory the longer we are on this earth. And what is it, when we're on road trips and, and our kids ask, are we there yet? We tell them, we're closer than when we started. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but we're closer than when we started. Healing is happening on this earth for the permanent healing to come. Now, 
I'm going to leave that part there because I want us to take communion together this morning. And you, and you saw on, on your, on your uh, chairs there all the little cups and everything. And so I want us to go ahead and do the awkward part right now and, and, and go ahead and make the big loud noise with the wafer portion um, because it's a bit of a struggle sometimes to get those things off. When we take communion, we talk about the story of Jesus and the fact that like, he was there with the disciples and he had this meal with them and he was going to make the sacrifice for us once for all to bring us back into the relationship with God. So incredibly true. But part of that restoration means healing. It means being willing To say to Jesus, my sin has been this. My sin has been that. And you know what? God, I, I, I need restoration. I need my eyes to no longer be squinted down to where you can't see through, but <laughs> I can see open and people can see in me that I am restored. Because that big proof that people are looking for, that should just be us. We should be walking proof of restoration and healing, of miracles being done. That's what Jesus wanted to bring. Restoration, healing, hope, the completeness of what we're supposed to be with him. So his body was broken for that. And he passed around the bread and broke it and told him that. And so we get to partake in this little tiny piece of wafered bread, realizing that Jesus' body was broken for us. So let's eat together. And when he passed around the wine that morning or that early evening, he said it represents the new covenant. Where on the cross, his blood was going to go over all that wood. He was going to be made the sacrifice, the once for all, so that we can just be healed. So we share it with the disciples, and we share with it now, the blood of Jesus. Let's drink. Church, heading out today, I want you to know that one, you're not the only one with struggles if you're dealing with the struggle right now. And if you're a person in this church right now that has been healed of some struggles and you're walking joyously, then, then your call, part of your call is to take that joy and to spread it to those who need it. So, Seek the face of Jesus and seek the words of Jesus. Seek the ways that you can be interjected into someone's life this week to either give hope or to share your story to find hope. And know that he loves you. Let's pray together. Father, we live in a world where there is a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain. And, and it hasn't changed in millennia. So there's been a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. But you came onto this earth for healing. 
for restoration and to bring things back into the way they need to be. And you do that through your people, your church, and we, God, as your church, are, are seeking you and, and one, to continue healing us, but help us to, with the words and with the actions, with the, with the hope and the love and the joy that we can bring to others so that they can experience healing as well. Let us be willing to name the sin in our life. What's brought us so much pain and hurt, so much confusion, so much doubt. Let us be willing, at the very least, to name it to you. So that when we name it, it no longer has power over us, but we see a way through through your power. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Uh, church, so you know, um, our kids came back from kids camp all in one piece, and they had a great time. So thank you for being a part of that story with them. Our uh, junior high and high school students leave tomorrow morning, and they're going to be gone for the next five days up to Camp Pine Rock. And so again, you've been a part of their story as well, like helping them get there. You've talked to a number of our students. So again, be praying for them and, uh, and all, how, how it's all going to go. Uh, if you haven't been to a camp in a while, camps are non-stop go with incredible moments with insanity and food and heat and Jesus all wrapped into one. So it's an amazing week. They're going to have a great time. Be praying for them this week. And uh, yeah, if you brought your offerings, by all means, you can put them in the joy box and give it online. You can drop it off through our door. Um, and that's great. But again, let that be worship and not an obligation. And uh, church, we love you. We'll see you. Well, I'll probably see you in a few weeks. See you then. <laughs>